This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hey guys, welcome back to Thoughts and Talks with Tishni and thanks for tuning in. All these episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, so check them out. Today we have a very special guest, a well-known public figure in Dunedin, the Dunedin Mayor, Aaron Hawkins. I'm so excited and thanks so much for joining me, Aaron. Kia ora, thanks for, thanks for inviting me. First of, all, how are you? first of all, how are you? That is a very, that is a very big question to <laughs> ask someone at the tail end of uh, 2020, but uh, I'm, very true. I'm, I'm good, you know, it's a, Doing a well. beautiful summer's day. Hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> Counting down the days, aren't we all? Yeah, yeah. One month to go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, Aaron, we have limited time, so I want to get this started because I want to know all about it. So, Aaron, I know everyone you meet would ask the question, what you do? And you told me what you do with the governance and policy and everything, and it was long. Can you, <laughs> in the simplest form, just the simplest terms, can you just go over what it is that you do? Yeah, so the City Council uh, does a range of things uh, uh, in terms of providing services to our community, and that is uh, things like networks, so uh, pipes under the ground, making sure that your toilet can flush and you can drink the water that comes out of your tap. Uh, We look after the roading system, parks and reserves and the Botanic Garden, uh, cultural institutions uh, like uh, the Public Art Gallery and Toitu Otago Settlers Museum, among other, among many other things, and, yeah. and you know we're a grants funding body that support community groups and community organisations to uh, deliver you know well-being outcomes uh, to our community, which is um, a phrase that nobody outside of government would ever use. But you know, basically, you know, we're, we're tasked with uh, supporting the the economic, environmental, social, and cultural well-being of our community, and, and the way that we do that is through the delivery of, of those services. We deal with you know waste and recycling and uh, and all those uh, sorts of things. So a lot, and and we have about a thousand staff who who beaver away uh, and and do that work. Uh, what our job is uh, as the as the council mm-hmm. uh, as elected members is basically setting. A strategy and policy and budgets. So we give direction to uh, the chief executive of the council, who is our only employee. Everyone else works for her. Uh, so we we set direction uh, for the organisation. Uh, we set uh, the we set policy and bylaws, uh, and most importantly, particularly at this time of the year, we set budgets uh, in terms of you know how much money we are allocating to do each of those things. Do you enjoy it? Enjoyment is an interesting <laughs> word. Uh, um, yeah, I do. I mean, it is incredibly challenging work, and it, it's unusual uh, to have a uh, to have a job that operates at a very uh, what we call a, you know, a, a, a macro level, so at a high level, dealing with you know long term planning and, and strategic planning and those sorts of things, uh, but also at a at a very micro level, down to potholes or uh, Weeds in the gutters and, and those sorts of things that that, um, that people get uh, get agitated about, and, and quite rightly, you know, they have a right to expect the basic things to be done well. So, our job operates on both of those 
both of those levels. But it's an incredible privilege to be able to represent our community. And, and people often ask, you know, what is your vision for the city or what is it that you're trying to do? And it's not really, you know, it feels like a trick question. It's not really about what I want to achieve or, or what council wants to achieve. It's, it's making good on the aspirations that our community have and the things that they tell us that they want us to do. And um, we try and do that it's a it's it's a little more complicated than that but fundamentally that's what it's about it's Mm. it's it's responding to the the desires our community have to to live in uh to have a a city that they want they can live in and they want to live in uh, and that people can enjoy now and into the future Mm. and you're a host before and then you ran for the green party and then the mayor why what motivated you to run for the mayor in 2010, uh, yeah, I was, I, I was um, before I was in politics, I did a breakfast radio show for seven years. And roughly halfway through that stretch in 2010, I was about 25 or 26 years old and decided that I would run for mayor, um, uh, mostly as a protest, I think, um, because I, 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 didn't, uh, I didn't think that or I didn't see that uh, a lot of long-term thinking was going into the decisions that were being made on my behalf, and I decided that I could I could either complain about it forever, uh, or I could <laughs> offer to do a job, better job myself. And so I made a, a very late decision to run that campaign. I stood for the council as well, and, and nearly got elected to the city council. And what I learnt from that campaign, um, which started out as a protest, effectively, was two things mainly. One is that. Uh, local government and, and the local council is incredibly important in terms of supporting the well-being of our community. Um, the second thing was that there was no magic amount. There's no magic amount of life experience that makes you a, a capable or effective representative of your community. And I remember going to debates and, and public forums and standing alongside people who were uh, well over twice my age and, and with extensive experience in government and realizing that. You know, they had no more of an idea about what we needed to do and how we needed to do it than I did, regardless of you know their their background or or their CV. And so that was that was really liberating for me. And and once I got over myself losing, um, I decided that this is a thing that I wanted to do. And in, in 2013, I stood as a, a, a both a mayoral and council candidate um, uh, on the green ticket and got a and got elected then. So I did that for six years before the last election. Mm, and congrats. <laughs> yes, thanks. Um, you said, you mentioned before that you attend events such as the citizenship ceremony. They go on forever. How do you manage that? Like, go to every single one and not be like, oh my God, like, can someone else go for me? Citizenship ceremonies don't go on too long. They, they are one of the absolute highlights of the job is being able to do that and we haven't uh-huh. been able to do it for most of this year so in february march um as we as we went into lockdown uh, the department of internal affairs who effectively run it um organized them and, and we run it on their behalf uh, cancelled them all uh, so we haven't been able to do that um and that is kind of sad for people uh you know for particularly if you've come from a reasonably traumatic background and the idea of moving to New Zealand and becoming a citizen of a new country is a really big deal or some people who've had to surrender their citizenship from other countries to be here that's a really big deal and and to then 
you know, rather than have it presented to you in, in, in that sort of fashion, you just get it sent to you by courier in an envelope <laughs> from the DIA. That's it's kind of anticlimactic. Mm. So what we did, uh, we did a couple. We've got one more this year, and a couple. Uh, we've done a couple already where we invited all the people who had been made citizens um, by the post um, mm-hmm. to, to come and. And 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 have uh, have afternoon tea with us, and we presented them with their native tree, and uh, they got their photos taken, and, uh, and and had the opportunity to be able to celebrate with with their friends and family. And I think that was that was really special. It is amazing. I, I never, I mean, I've missed it. Great, <laughs> I've missed it greatly being able to do citizenship ceremonies. But yeah, I mean, it's just you know, and, and some things which which can seem arduous like you know going to graduation ceremonies or whatever i mean i love I particularly love going to and not that i'm picking favorites but <laughs> i mean i love going to uh graduation ceremonies at the otago polytechnic and you have a really broad range of people from different backgrounds achieving um you know whether it's certificates or degrees or or, or whatever and, and it's a it's a huge deal for uh for them to to uh, to have done that work and uh, and, and achieved uh, that outcome, and, and being able to uh, share and in, in the pride that people have of their achievements is a huge honour. But it's a lot of clapping, <laughs> and, and it's a lot. It's a lot of smiling and a lot of clapping. So I do have, you have to do your smile stretches. <laughs> okay, so COVID questions now. Mm. When COVID became serious, and then lockdown happened, what actions did you take as the mayor? So when when the alert level system was introduced was when I think people realised that things were going to mm. get serious and it wasn't going to change um, in a hurry. And, and so our focus, the focus of the organisation was trying to figure out how we deliver uh, the essential services that we deliver in a way that means that uh, people still have water that they can drink and, and toilets that flush and all of that sort of stuff and, and, and urgent repairs to things can get dealt with. How do you make sure that all of that works uh, in a way that still keeps your staff safe in an environment where you're not supposed to be mm. um, mixing with other people or mixing with other households and all of those sorts of things. And so uh, we were, we our staff were involved in a, a national group around the country that were dealing with that. So, what does this mean? What does level four? What, well, it was level three in the beginning. What does that mean? Um, you know, what does that mean for Moana Pool? What does that mean for the Dunedin Public Art Gallery? Can you still function? How do you keep people mm. uh, separate from each other? And uh, and then you're in level four, and that was far far more black and white. Pretty much, you know, everything closes except the things that have to keep going. Uh, and then keeping up with, you know, what does it mean for Rubbish collection, obviously, that has to keep going, and, and put recycling collection on hold, and, and you're making all these decisions based on what was uh, evolving guidance from the Ministry of Health, because in a, in a pandemic, in terms of civil defence and emergency management, uh, a pandemic response is led by the Ministry of Health, and mm. so to a degree, we're just doing what we were told. But mm. as a as a sector, local government was trying to figure out what that meant, and so there was a, a joint group of uh, elected members. Um, DIA and uh, and council staff around the country that were working on it, um, and 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 adjusting the things that we were doing as things moved uh, in and out of levels and as the decisions of government or the Ministry of Health changed. So that was the 
the focus of the operation. Um, the uh, the focus. I mean, my job really in that se- in that setting is to communicate what what those messages are, uh, and to to make sure that as many people as as possible know what's going on and know what they need to do and know what they can and can't do and, and all of those sorts of things. Uh, I, I hadn't anticipated that one of the biggest challenges that we would have this year was um, getting people to stop flushing wet wipes down the toilet, but that was a, a huge issue uh, up and down the country because we're telling people to clean everything within an inch of its life, mm. and that's how some people do that, and then they flush the, them down the toilet, and then we've got blockages in the wastewater system, uh, which then puts our staff at risk unnecessarily because they have to go and fix it. And so there was a, a big campaign around the country about not flushing wet wipes down the toilet and so that is the kind of that is the kind of thing really and and doing you know doing um just doing interviews like with jeff harford here on a regular basis and, and just letting people know what's going on and, mm. and 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 what we need to do and then as we came out of level four it was about managing how we can keep functioning as a council because we were in the middle of setting our budgets for the year and 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 the law said that we weren't allowed to have meetings by Zoom, and so we needed. Oh, really? So that, so that had to change so that we could have meetings. We had three days of public hearings entirely remotely by Zoom. I don't know if you've been on a three-day Zoom meeting call, but it is exhausting. Uh, and so we were, we were, yeah. That, that was again. I mean, it's more of a process thing, but I was trying to figure out how we can keep going and keep making the decisions that we need to because you know the the that work can't stop you can't um you you can't opt out of it so um but but largely it was about communication and and talking to people and reassuring people and trying to and working with police to make sure that people were behaving themselves Mm -hmm. basically and and how do you manage people that weren't uh, following the rules and, and and therefore putting everyone at risk by by doing that and uh, and so that was, and, and then having we had regular meetings um, and daily contact for a long time with uh, with the the district health board uh, through their chief executive, telling us you know how many new cases there were, or letting us know when when sadly people had had died. And and six months ago we were having conversations with the DHB about uh, when we were going to run out of hospital capacity and ICU capacity and space at the morgues around the region and, and when we, where we would be setting up temporary field hospitals and what you would do with dead bodies in a situation where you had nowhere to put them. And those are some of the most sobering conversations I've ever had in my life and, and thankfully because of the decisions that our government took and the the way that the the, the community bought into that and, and got on top of the situation, we didn't have to do that. And so, you know, if you'd asked me six months ago where I would love to have been uh, at this point, you know, I, I think I've been mean, just thinking about this coming down George Street on a float in the Santa Parade uh, a, a few days ago, and it's remarkable mm-hmm. in an international setting that we can have thousands, if not tens of thousands, of people crammed in along the, str- the, the stretch of our main street in a festive environment, and 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 I know that it's not. I mean, it's been hard, and we've asked people to do extraordinary things and, and are still asking people to do extraordinary things and I know that there are particularly you know, older people who are still very anxious about leaving the house because you know, alert level one is still an alert level we're still asking people to be cautious because of course this could all go backwards uh, tomorrow if, if you mm. have um, issues at the border or 
or the, the virus gets back in or, it's, or it re-enters the community and then all of a sudden you have to figure out how you deal with that. But that's... Um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's been the year that anybody had anticipated. No, definitely not. Does the council have any strategies if something like this happened, like ever to happen again, like another lockdown or, you know, level three or whatever? Yeah, so the... So the yeah, I mean, here's hoping not, but mm. uh, that we don't have to, but the, 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 the hardest part about it the first time was that we were building the plane as we were flying it as they say yeah whereas now we have all of that mm. and we know what to do and, and how to do it and we know uh, what the the different um uh, trigger points are for different uh, for different decisions and so that is a whole lot easier um our role from a from an emergency management point of view was ma- mainly around welfare and trying to coordinate a welfare response and again that was something that got better over time and and you know we we have a a, a, a huge network of of community groups and organisations that we can reach out to and, and for to offer assistance uh, and working with, with groups like Volunteer South and also that network is a really great way of being able to for them to feed back in where the need is and what people um, and what's going on in the community and, and where the and, and where the help is required. Um, so I think we're reasonably well prepared for dealing with it from a health from a Council point of view, mm. but it, I mean we've seen in places where they've where it's they've had second waves, whether it's in Melbourne or in, or in parts of the UK. I mean, we, we were living in an opt-in police state in New Zealand, and mm. that's you know people were prepared to do that because we knew that that's what was required to deal with the public, and that wasn't universally loved. But we're here because we did that, and um, it gets harder to do that a second time mm. or a third time, and I, and I think we would struggle to get. The same degree of of purchase with the community a second time or a third time, and uh, and you know we saw that um, uh, in, in Auckland when they were back in level two or two plus or, or whatever it ended up being called, and so it's it's really important that in the meantime, until such time as it's less of a risk mm-hmm. through you know vaccine or, or other methods, uh, we need to do the basic stuff to make sure that we limit the risk. Of of wider outbreaks, and you know, we're we're all guilty, I think, of of getting complacent about it when yeah. we're in level one because we want to live a normal life, and you know, we see the scan rates on the the COVID tracer app plummet mm. because people aren't worried about it, and people stop wearing masks on planes and public transport because you know there's nothing to worry about. But the thing is, you don't know. <laughs> If, if, if you find out tomorrow that you need to know what you've been doing uh, every all day, every day for the last two weeks before that, it's kind of too late to go back and keep a diary from then. So people need to be vigilant and we need to keep um, doing the basic stuff right, staying at home when you're sick, washing your hands, washing your hands. <laughs> <laughs> washing your hands. People, people don't, as it turns out. And, and, and so, so those, are the, that, those are the messages that are... Um, it's hard. It's a harder sell in peacetime than in wartime to get people to take mm. this stuff seriously. But mm. we need to uh, to to prevent you know, the worst case scenarios in the future. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dunedin was really good. Like the people really acted really well to the lockdown. They stayed at home. And how did it feel being the mayor of a city like this? I was really proud of the way mm. Dunedin responded. Um, it was. 
you know, and, and that is it was harder for some people than others, and particularly older people living alone or mm. people who have young children or people who are living in stressful domestic environments that are then stuck there mm. um, um, and and those sorts of things. But you know, I, I think it was it was remarkable the way that people responded, and that's not. You know, that's that's not just in Dunedin. It was it was around the country, but we all did a remarkable job, and 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 I don't think we can underestimate how extraordinary a thing it was what we asked people to do and, and what they did do. But nor can we underestimate the, and I don't think we've seen the full impact of what we've asked people to do from a mental health point of view. Mm. Um, you know, you're asking people to to not gather together and grieve for people that they love because funerals were banned or then only 10 people were allowed to go and uh, and, and not being able to be with uh, sick relatives or dying relatives because you couldn't travel and you couldn't be with people that uh, that you didn't live with. And, and those are... You can't postpone that, mm. you know what I mean? You can't pick that up later when you get the chance. Like, it's, you know, it was awful that graduations get... Postponed, but you can you can organise another graduation ceremony. You, you don't get you don't get a second shot at funerals or tangies or those sorts of things. And and so um, I think we need to be and, and and people are people are exhausted and people are tired and and because because I mean we know that. The Alpine Fault could go off at any day, and that will be a, a big deal. Uh, and okay, don't say that. <laughs> so, like the, you know, you could have a, a major earthquake. Scary, very at, scary. At any point, and, and we know, you know that, you know that that could happen every day, any day. So scary. But you don't think about it every single day. Whereas this situation we're in now, it's like you know that any day it could escalate, and and that is. You know, at one o'clock any day, mm-hmm. you could end up being back in that being back in that situation, and and that is hard going for mm. people. <laughs> and and you know, and, and now we're in December and and Christmas, and that's already one of the most stressful times of the year for a lot of people. And people are rightly anxious about you know what the what what's coming around the corner from a from an economic point of view, and what that means for people's livelihoods, especially people who. Have relied on work uh, in the international visitor industry over the summertime. You know, seasonal workers or families that rely on people working in that field and over the summer, and they won't to the same degree. And and so, while we're cautiously optimistic about where we are, and we're certainly not as not not as exposed as places like Queenstown are to the to the impacts of this, so we can't pretend that yeah. it's universally mm. um, felt across our community and I think you just need to be conscious of that yeah I try not to think about it because my worst fear is a tsunami and I'm just like oh my gosh I don't want to think about it <laughs> anyway as well, meanwhile we never thought about pandemics no you know who a, knew oh that was like a 90s right? action movie mm. genre and, and you know it, like it was the just Black like, Plague it was yeah. 18 something it, was, it just wasn't a thing that anybody considered and now it's the only thing that people consider <laughs> yeah yeah and it first happened, you're like, oh, it's in China. Like, it's not going to come here. There was a lot of there was a lot of people, myself included, who should have known better, who were in <laughs> denial for far longer than we should have been about it. Yeah, here. definitely. Um, as a public figure, you must have a lot of people like disagreeing with you. And um, 
you know, not really acting the way that you want them to. So what were the instances that the people went out of their way to show you that they disagree with you oh. during COVID? Oh, during COVID? You said um, that Photoshop thing? Yeah, people... people um, yeah, so... When... It was a stressful time for people, and I don't think... I think nobody showered themselves in glory necessarily in the way that that expressed itself. But uh, we were going through... There were a couple of things at the time. I mentioned the budget, uh, and, and people had very strong views about... Because they were anxious about their own livelihoods. Um, mm. They wanted us to slash our budgets to so that would cost them less money in terms of you know, the rates that they pay and 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 that was a very loud um, concern of people uh, but probably the most contentious thing we did was when we came out of level three and back into level two which is the first time that shops were allowed to open but under level two guidance you still need to keep separated distance from people and it's mm. not back to normal so you can go out shopping but you still have to be apart from people and 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 we didn't know how anxious people would be about gathering together in the same space uh, in level two and so we wanted to make it make people more comfortable about coming into the city centre especially and supporting businesses that had been closed for months and, and needed support. Um, and but, it, but we didn't want a situation where people didn't want to come into town and, and, and support those businesses because they didn't feel safe doing it. So uh, we did a, a, a bunch of simple things, basically um, asking people to uh, to slow down and driving down the road and then and we painted uh, circles on the road as a kind of visual cue to people that this wasn't to, to behave differently and act differently mm-hmm. so that if people wanted to if pedestrians wanted because we have narrow footpaths if pedestrians wanted to get space from people by walking into the footpath and the only other option would have been taking all of the car parking out of the main street and that would have been an absolute apocalyptic scenario uh, so we wanted so that was the the general gist mm-hmm. it cost us two and a half thousand dollars and we asked people to drive slightly slower uh, and you would have thought the world had ended. Yeah. And and um, and partly, partly I think it was about me as a person. Uh, and but but I think mostly, I don't know, people were stressed and anxious, and it just didn't it didn't manifest itself in in a particularly constructive way. I've got no issue with people disagreeing with me. God. I've got a four-year-old son. People disagree with me all the time, but <laughs> you can uh, be a politician if some. Well, you couldn't. You can't function in that mm. way. And, and I'm and I'm and I'm very generous with my time in terms of people. If people want to come up and chat about things or talk mm. about things, but you know, you can do that in a way that is not openly aggressive and antagonistic. Mm. And, and I don't feel like I owe people that mm. uh, to to <laughs> to sit there and. And, and and face and stare down their barrage. Whereas, yeah. you know, you could get a far better if you if you genuinely want to talk about things or give feedback about things, you can do that by having a conversation with someone. If all you want to do is let off steam about how mad you are about something, 
then there's not a you know it's what Facebook's for I guess but <laughs> and yeah. you know and, and I'm more I'm more protective of my time when I am with my family I think there's you know there are certain boundaries that seems odd that people mm. would behave in, in in that way at a mini golf course but you know that's <laughs> these, mm. are, these, are, these are the decisions that people make and and you know we, we the decisions that council make and and they are decisions of council mm. I can't do anything not just you it's not just council, me I can't yeah. you know, and I mean, but I, you get blamed well I mean, and, and I support them and I'm, I'm uh, mostly and I'm, I'm happy to to, to be the, the bearer of that <laughs> but you know that people don't always agree with that mm. that's fine Can you tell us about the email that you got, the scrotum and the face? A uh, man sent me a photo of my face. Find it photosh- so funny. Photoshopped onto a man's scrotum. Like, why? Yeah. Why would you go to Photoshop and then do it? See, you're wasting time. I didn't want to ask whose scrotum. <laughs> yeah, he sent me a message saying, thanks, you're doing a great job. And I said, thanks for that. And then he sent a message back. He said, I'm being a dick. Nice, eh? Oh, uh, okay. Nice <laughs> yeah, so that's, you know, that's... There's no there's no job description and there's no instruction manual. Yeah. And and I know that and and a lot of people get really negative feedback and I and I mm. know that it is um the 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 level of toxicity in that discussion is gendered uh, and it is um often very pointedly racist and I know that I'm in a far better position than colleagues of mine who do this kind of work who are women or people of color or Maori or whatever because I don't have that um, I don't have that fueling it for people who have those world views so mm. as bad as it can be um, <laughs> it seems weird to talk about it as a privilege but it's Uh, it is a privilege. It could, <laughs> it, it could it could be a lot worse, and it's a lot worse for 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 other people. And my favorite ones are when you get really angry messages from people, and then you respond, and they go, "Oh, oh, didn't think I, you'd I, respond. I didn't think I didn't think you'd respond. I thought I thought, <laughs> I thought it, would, it would go to someone in your office. It's like, and that's somehow better. Like someone yeah. who has nothing to do with the decisions that we're making. Like you're comfortable letting off steam at them, <laughs> but I, I don't think. There's not a lot of value in trying to find a rational reason for the mm. way that for for why people behave like this. Would you think this? Would you say this is the hardest um, you've ever worked during COVID? It was exhausting mm. uh, because for all the reasons that we've already talked about. But the the my job is two jobs really. One is about one is doing the work of the council. And the other one is being a representative of the city, and so like a lot of it is uh, going to events and, and having meetings with people and uh, and traveling and going to meetings in Wellington and doing all of that stuff. And for the best part of six months, it didn't have to do any of that because there were no events and there were no meetings. And and so in some ways, like I, I felt bad about the fact. The fact that I wasn't doing all of that work because that mm-hmm. is, you know, that's the expectation that, quite rightly, the expectation that people have. So it's a it's been a funny one in that it's 
and again, this is the only year I've done this job, mm. so I don't have much of a <laughs> I don't have much of a baseline in terms of what you would compare it to. Yeah, next year it will be very different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> imagine if next year's the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, so so in some ways, it's been kind of peaceful. You know, I went mm. for a lot of walks during the day with my son and, <laughs> and did all those sorts of things that I would normally get to do. And, um, but uh, but at the other but at the same time, it was just constantly. Uh, it was just a constant um, anxiety, just knowing, knowing what you don't know, and and not knowing what was around the corner. And you know, we, we've got a we've built a very strong uh, network of of mayors around the region because it's one of those jobs that you know people you can't really understand unless you are doing that job. And so we had you know weekly catch ups with mayors and. Luther and Queenstown and Oamaru and 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 supported each other through it because there's you know that's the only you know, and that was really important networks and and community become incredibly important in times of of great difficulty and and I think you know that that's that has that demonstrates the value of and what we've been, what we're trying to do in general around building stronger communities and building more resilient communities, because when things go wrong, uh, those people, the people that live in those communities, have a better chance of uh, coming out the other side in a in a, in a reasonable uh, in a reasonable fashion. Mm. Aaron, the time has run out, but thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciated you coming and talking about your experience. It's great to hear from a mayor's perspective and, you know, experience about how you guys, you went through COVID. So thank you again. Thanks for inviting me. And you guys, and thank you guys for tuning in. Tune in next week to hear another episode. Goodbye for now. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.